Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. It's an incredibly simple formula. It's very customer-centric and simple. Where is our customer and what is she or he doing right now? And what do they need to fulfill their lifestyle? Knowing your customer is the first rule of any lifestyle-based business. But it's not just about knowing who they are. It's about establishing relationships and building a loyal customer base. That takes strong intuition, constant care, and attention. Make a customer not a sale. If you take the long view, if you do what's right for the customer, which by definition is right for the brand, that's the way to build a long-term business. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. The sign of a strong brand isn't always about billboards and advertising. It's about longevity, steady growth, and connecting one-on-one -on -one with customers. Today's two guests certainly know how to do that. In this episode, we're sitting down with Kevin McLaughlin, co-founder and chief creative officer of Jay McLaughlin and Mary Ellen Coyne, the company's CEO. Kevin started the company in 1977 with his brother, Jay. They envisioned a timeless lifestyle brand with a legacy of style and a spirit of connection. And they did just that, opening their first shop on 74th Street and 3rd Avenue in Manhattan. It immediately became the post-brunch destination for the Ivy League J.G. Mellon crowd. And if any of you listeners lived on the Upper East Side in the 80s and 90s like I did, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Kevin's taste and design sense has guided the Jay McLaughlin collection since the first store opened, and he prides himself on creating effortless and enduring styles with a modern twist. Each style is thoughtfully designed with impeccable craftsmanship, original colors and prints, and innovative fabrics. Mary Ellen Coyne is the CEO of Jay McLaughlin and joined the brand in 2016. She oversees all aspects of strategy and operations, including merchandising, product development, marketing, retail expansion, and e-commerce. Under her leadership, the brand has launched new product verticals, including swim and footwear, enjoyed robust retail expansion, and recently launched a brand refresh. Prior to joining the company, Mary Ellen had two decades of leadership experience at Ralph Lauren, where she most recently served as Chief Merchandising Officer of Polo Women and Children's Division. Her career kicked off in the Macy's training program, and from there, she sharpened her industry expertise with key merchandising roles at Ann Taylor, The Gap, and Victoria's Secret. Jay McLaughlin now has over 170 beautiful stores on the most charming streets in America, and true to the McLaughlin brothers' vision, each store is entirely unique. Let's enter the arena with Kevin and Mary Ellen. My brother and I found ourselves in Brooklyn in the early 70s, just when the, the whole brownstone movement was starting to take off. And 
we were there and we, we could just see the opportunity and potential. And so we got ourselves involved in it. And we started to renovate brownstones uh, ourselves, actually doing the work ourselves while we were going to graduate school. And I had another job. Jay was doing it full time all day. And I would help him at night. And uh, I worked in a clothing store part time on the Upper East Side. And this was really one of the only preppy um, stores on the Upper East Side. And it carried Ralph Lauren men's and women's. And it was the first specialty store to carry both of uh, his men's and ladies' lines. And I said to Jay, I said, wow, it is amazing the opportunity up here. I was not born to that world, but could certainly see the potential. And I said to Jay, you know, we ought to give it a try. And so we went, we literally walked the streets and found a shop and made the deal. We were able to get a mortgage on one of our brownstones, which was our seed money, and literally built the first store ourselves there. And we were off to the races. Timing was right. It was 1977. Annie Hall was on the screen. That whole moment in time was happening, and, and we were there, and it was successful from day one. Great and underappreciated movie. Uh, won the Oscar, I think, for Best Picture that year. Kevin, am I correct? I think you're right, yeah. So tell us about the core customer, Kevin. You know, you obviously started this a long time ago. How do you stay relevant over time with evolving generations? What's the trick to the long-term success of the brand in your mind? Understanding the core customer, first of all, is critical. And our customer, particularly on the women's side, is of a certain sensibility, of a certain lifestyle. She wants to be timely. She wants to appear modern. But as I like to often say, she doesn't like her clothes to arrive before she does. She wants a certain level of restraint. And we have had an intuitive uh, understanding of that customer and, and how her life has evolved. And frankly, it's a generation I've stayed with and it's what I'm born into. And, and I now have children, so I understand it from that perspective also. But uh, it's an intuitive understanding of a certain uh, customer and exactly how he or she wants to present herself to the world. Mary Ellen, you joined in 2016. You had an amazing career in the Macy's training program and, and obviously merchandising roles at Ann Taylor and The Gap and Victoria's Secret and uh, Ralph Lauren. What about this opportunity attracted you and made you take a leap of faith to, to join Kevin and, and the brand? I grew up knowing the Jay McLaughlin brand. It was actually a brand that my dad shopped more than my mom. But Hadn't thought about it in years. And after two decades at Ralph Lauren, when Brenda Malloy from Herbert Mines called, Brentwood had just bought Jay McLaughlin and they were looking for a lead. For me, I spent a lot of time in the stores researching the brand. And it was very clear from the first moment that there was magic. The teams of people loved, loved being a part of the Jay McLaughlin family and the experience was just so overwhelmingly positive. In addition to that, I saw opportunity really to move the brand forward in terms of the product and the presentation. And we have so much fun doing it. For me, it was going back to a very long time ago. Uh, the brand is very small. Our team is very small. 
We're incredibly nimble. It's an incredibly entrepreneurial spirit every day. And going back to a truly hands-on opportunity to make a big difference with a brand with such an incredible reputation was very exciting to me. Marianne, why don't you tell our listeners where your stores are located currently? What are your key markets and what's the expansion strategy from here? We have 173 stores located across the country. We are very penetrated on the East Coast with Florida being our number one state with 25 stores currently plus three additional stores signed for 2024. Houston is our largest metro area and our flagships on 72nd and Lexington in New York City and in Naples in the Venetian Village Shopping Center vie for the number one spot. And we have a very friendly competition every year. We believe that there is tremendous growth for additional stores across several different areas. Number one would be geography. And geographically, we know that we have an opportunity in the middle of the country. So we've really done East and West Coast very well. And now we're looking to to sort of fill in. We opened recently in Oklahoma City and we are opening next week in Omaha, Nebraska. And we're very excited to really go after the markets in the middle of the country. In addition to that, we've also seen tremendous population diversity post-pandemic with families spending more time in locations they had you know, just spent weekends before or people for the first time venturing out and having a second home. So we opened a store recently in Southhold on the North Fork of Long Island, traditionally a very sleepy town. And Southhold this year will do two and a half times the volume it was performed at. It's just tremendous what we're seeing in terms of locations where people are spending more time and with very little apparel retail available to them. So that's been another huge opportunity for us as we look at smaller markets where people are spending more time. Kevin, what does the menswear category represent for you all, and why do you see it as such a big opportunity? Well, my background is there. I started initially in in men's, and um, frankly, menswear became a victim of our our success in women's. There was such an opening for more classic, traditional sportswear in, in women's that we really excelled in that area, and it's just consumed more and more of, of our budget, more and more of our real estate, more and more of our time. I, I noticed this from the day we opened the first store that women's customers shops more frequently. They're less uh, sensitive to price, uh, so many things that were positive. So men's drifted. But when Mary Ellen came, she looking for opportunities. Where can we get growth? She remembered the stores she had said from her her dad shopping there and just saw menswear as a real opportunity. And I, frankly, had had, had just not paid enough attention to it. So under her directive, we've gone back and, and really looked to carve out our own niche. Men's may not have as high a margin. It, the guy may not shop as often, but he is loyal and it's less susceptible to the whims of fashion. So I think the men's side of a business is important for the equilibrium. There is so much about the Jay McLaughlin brand that really follows the most simple formulas. And in terms of retail stores, 
From the brand's inception, the strategy that Kevin and Jay employed was to open stores in places where our customers like to spend their time. Very often, a new location will come up based on a conversation at a cocktail party, based on an article in the Wall Street Journal. And of course, you know, in the last decade, we have demographers that validate all the information, but it's a very intuitive process. And as with most of what we do, it's an incredibly simple formula. Open stores in places where our customers love to spend their time. When we think about the way that Kevin and the team design the product, when the way it's merchandised, it's very customer-centric and simple. Where is our customer and what is she or he doing right now? And what do they need to fulfill their lifestyle in terms of their wardrobe? Yeah, and I, I know there's a quote from Kevin floating out there that I read, which is, you know, when people come into your stores and they buy something, you're, you're making a customer, not a sale, which is such a simple thought. Is that something that you and your brother, Kevin, right from the very beginning, kind of focused on building those long-term relationships? It, it is the model of the company, and I've <laughs> been saying it for 46 years now, make a customer, not a sale. If you take the long view, if you do what's right for the customer, which by definition is right for the brand, that's the way to build a long-term business. And we had the good fortune, since it was just Jay and I, of always thinking long-term. We didn't have any pressure from investors, et cetera, et cetera. And and again, I I want to emphasize the the word um, intuitive. It was a simple enough thought. You know, when we thought about that customer that you asked me about, Tom, you know, and then what we did, we, Jay and I just took the four P's of marketing, the most elementary uh, understanding of marketing, and thought about product. What would be a unique product? What was special? You know, what was the price point that we wanted to hit? We didn't want to be the most expensive. We did not want to be the cheapest. We wanted to represent the value. You know, place, how are we going to distribute? As Mary Ellen said, we wanted to weave ourselves into these communities. We wanted to become part of people's lives. We resisted a mall. We never went in a mall. We always went on Main Street where where people lived every day. And and that that fourth P is frankly speaks to the refresh and and to uh, Mary Ellen being here is what I would call promotion. Jay and I were never particularly good promoters. We weren't front of the house types. And consequently, the brand has moved along progressively for 46 years, yet still we're we're not, we were still a rather well-kept secret. We didn't handle that last P well. We were not good at it. And things like the refresh are, are directed to try and counter that. There's so many companies that are run by, you know, Harvard Business School people who just look at KPIs and spreadsheets and things like that. Probably soon to be AI. I'm more of a fan of HI, human intelligence, for now at least. Couldn't agree 100%. <laughs> you know, maybe go a little bit deeper on the role that intuition plays and in kind of what you do every day, Kevin. Well, I think about the customer and people ask me, you know, do you have a muse? I say my wife is my muse. My daughter is my muse. And I try and think about their life and what they need. So if I'm planning what we're going to produce for January and February, I realize the holidays are over. We'll be going south. We need a bit of a wardrobe to take us there. We need to freshen things up. So it should be something that they can buy today and wear it tonight and still take them into April. 
I just think intuitively about what our customer uh, needs, what she's trying to say to the world about who she or he is, and respond to that. It is no more complicated than that. I, I think the customer wants to look special. They want to look unique, but they don't want to be confused as, as a victim of fashion. So that speaks to me about product. When I think about price, I, I don't want to be the cheapest and I don't want to be the most expensive. I just intuitively want the customer to walk in, look at the product and say, gee, that makes sense. I get it. That's not the cheapest, but I get it. You know, as far as the environment, we wanted it to feel residential. We, we put a lot of individuality into the stores. I'd like to say um, no two Jay McLaughlin's look alike. But you always know it when you're in a Jay McLaughlin store. The atmosphere is always compatible. You know, how did we wind up in Florida with that kind of presence? Well, we could just feel the migration. It was just, uh, again, having a keen sense of the world that we live in and continually trying to respond to it. It's not only just building a unique and welcoming store in a local community. You're doing a lot within that community. And I know local and loyal is a big part of the DNA of the brand. Maybe talk about the philanthropic efforts in each local community. I mean, you're like incredibly involved. You're a member of the community, right? Exactly. I often say to a manager or people, so find a way to weave ourselves into the community, whether it be a chamber of commerce, whether it be a library board. We're, the, the truth of the matter is we're very grateful. These communities have been unbelievably kind to us and they have adopted us and made us part of their community. So if there's a way to say thank you that works for them, then I am 100% for it. And I, I want our gratitude to be uh, very apparent to everybody. Jay McLaughlin is a private company with incredibly impressive financial performance. They've been growing consistently since the business started 46 years ago, and their last decade has been amazing. I asked Mary Ellen to share more about what the numbers are showing. I was incredibly fortunate to step into this amazing brand on so many levels. The first, obviously, being the partnership with Kevin, which which is one we, we both truly enjoy every day. But yes, the brand over the last seven years has doubled its sales, has tripled its EBITDA. We have very high initial margins and we consistently maintain margins in the high 70s. We run a full price business. Over 80% of our sales are full price. Every single store we operate is profitable. And we have an e-commerce site, which while we speak about it less because we really began as a brick and mortar store and we're passionate about everything we do to support the stores, you know, we have an e-commerce business that with a growth rate that is certainly outpacing store growth. And we're super excited about the potential as we move forward in that it allows us to service our customer wherever and whenever and however they choose to shop. So thrilled about that as well. The other thing I'll just add is we have a highly engaged and loyal customer base with a very high AOV, very high LTV, and subsequently fairly low cost to acquire, generally profitable at their first purchase. Yeah, that, that's incredibly impressive. And then when you talk about your marketing mix, how do you think about that 
as it relates to your core customer. I know that catalogs, which we haven't talked about, is a big part of what you do. Why is the catalog business so important for you and what do you learn from it? Yeah, so the catalog business was launched right when I stepped in and it has been very successful industry high benchmarks across the board. And we truly believe that part of that, and maybe the most important part, is the catalog is the best way for us outside of our stores to tell the brand story for people to see who we are and what's important to us. We often have customers who, our core customers, who keep the catalog on their coffee table until the next one comes. We have customers who fold down, literally earmark the pages and come in and shop full outfits. So for us, it's really the way to continue to tell the brand story of Jay McLaughlin. At a point in time, catalog was the first marketing investment in any significant way. Today, it remains roughly half of our marketing spend, but we've obviously leaned into digital in terms of Facebook, Instagram, paid and organic social influencers. But yes, catalog remains an incredibly important tool for us, both acquisition and retention. Yeah, I have to think too, the amount of data that you collect from, you know, different states where people are ordering, it could even give you uh, some insight into where you want to open your next retail stores. Absolutely. Because honestly, the first marketing tool is opening a store. That is how we can tell the brand story best, get a store in a community and people can see it. After that, as, as Mary Ellen said, it is, is through the, the book, through the catalog lookbook, and that communicates the lifestyle uh, nicely. I mean, the challenge, frankly, and I think this is a challenge that's facing all retailers right now, is how do you communicate? How do you get that the, the brand story told on, online? It is, it is difficult. So the catalog has been a, a very good way to help communicate that. And Kevin, when you kind of look into 24, and I'm, I'm sure all of the, you know, a lot of the work has already been done for 2024, but will you be entering any kind of new categories next year or even beyond next year, if you want to comment on that? Well, it's not scheduled for 24, frankly, but the, what, what's hanging out there and is just very apparent, but it will take a, a big leap, really, is home. We speak to this lifestyle, to this customer, and to the statement that he or she wants to make about their world or their life, and and the significance of home is very apparent, and we would have a lot to say in it. To me, that is really the initiative that sticks in my mind. The other thing which I'm constantly badgering Mary Ellen on a little bit is uh, I would like to try a store outside the U.S., we have had so much success in all of these resorts all around this country. You know, I would like to give it a try in Europe. Perhaps, you know, something coming in more from the flank in a resort like Cornwall in England or Comporta in Portugal. I think the world has gotten so flat and fashion is so universal that I think we would be a real breath of, of fresh air in these communities and it would open a very long runway of new experiences for us. Yeah, very interesting. I, I think, listen, the intuition has paid off before, so it's certainly something to consider. The biggest problem is you have so much opportunity. How do you allocate your time and energy and all of the other resources into different opportunities? Exactly. And fortunately for us, 
so many things that happen to us happen because of great customers that we have. And it'll be interesting to see in 2024, we will be able to test in a very small way, a pop-up space and a trunk show in Europe because of a customer who is passionate about the brand and happens to own a space that's available and really came to us and said, boy, we'd love to have you for a week to see how it goes in, you know, in Lisbon. So we're excited because that will give us the opportunity to test and be thoughtful about the rollout to your point, Tom, as we're prioritizing things. Sure. hundred percent. For all of this success, as we, we, we're kind of like the little engine that could, we just keep churning along here, making progress, but When I think about the global market around our look, call it prep for lack of a better term, it's a gigantic market when you think about all of the significant players in it. We have a minuscule little piece of this because we haven't done a great job at getting the word out. That's why we're here today. I I mean, honestly, our team is amazing. We have an incredibly talented group, long tenure, shorter tenure, different experiences, that truly love the brand and love and respect each other and work together in a way I have never seen in decades in retail. So really have to start with the team and their unwavering focus on the customer, which all comes, you know, from Kevin and the way that Jay McLaughlin was built. What we decided together, I guess about a year ago now, was the product looked great the business was doing very well. Response in terms of the other marketing vehicles was strong. We replatformed. Our systems were good. We had made all the investments we, we really felt, and we were firing on all cylinders. Customers who were not familiar with the brand, when they saw images, clothes, said they would love to shop it. To Kevin's point, we own roughly 1.8% of the market in terms of our consumer and our core target audience. So we decided that we needed to have someone from the outside come in and look at what we were doing from a marketing point of view and really give us advice as to how to get our brand story out there and how to really make a difference. Trey Laird, who who obviously is you know, a legend in the industry and has worked on many classic American brands, happened to be a connection personally through friends at Ralph Lauren. And when Kevin and I went and sat down and had breakfast with Trey, interestingly, he said to us, I'm usually called in when a brand's in trouble. You are doing such a great job. But we said, we're doing it on every front except the marketing front. And so probably after one meeting, we signed on with Trey and had him work on our current fall campaign and introducing us to new marketing channels. But also Trey helped us update all of our packaging and our logo. And it's very interesting because what he did was a study looking backward And the new logo we've chosen, it was the second logo in the brand in 1980. So we've gone back to a logo. We've intensified the colors. So all of the packaging uh, reflects that new, what we would say is just a more modern take on Jim Glocklin. Yeah, sometimes you get so close to it, it's helpful to bring in someone who's a true professional. And Kevin, you've done all the hard work. It seems to me that you don't have to make 
lots of changes to anything that you do. It's the basic fundamentals and blocking and tackling, but kind of refreshing everything seems a little bit easy compared to building the 173 stores over 46 years. I agree. I, I think what, what you're hearing here, Tom, is, is a company with a strong foundation in intuitive basic principles of retailing that had a whole another dimension brought to it when Mary Ellen came in, a level of professionalism that we didn't have on, you know, just the, the quantitative analysis, all of the things she'd be refreshing platforms. I mean, things I have no idea about that she brought in here and really took us to another level. But sometimes, you know, after 46 years, I do get a little impatient because I constantly was throwing at uh, Mary Ellen a phrase, it's all good, but that's, that's organic and it moves us along, which is where I've been. I don't have enough time left. I mean, what's transformative? What can I do that, you know, can really um, transform us and get us on top of mind. You know, I, I'd make a bet, you know, when you tell me you used to live on the Upper East Side, that when the conversation started, you said, oh, yeah, I remember that. They have one on the East Side, one on the Hamptons. And then someone said, well, they've got 174 now. And I'm sure you went, really? I couldn't believe it. Plus all the numbers and the financial performance is off the charts. Therein lies the, the, the problem, Tom. We have not been able to communicate that out and build a level of momentum and enthusiasm that will snowball. And so I've pushed Mary Ellen on transformative things like the Trailad brand refresh. So it is interesting. Listen, I think it's great. And you know what? You're taking action because this is your baby and it's very important that you're, you perpetuate it for the next 46 years. And this is the foundation of doing that. Mary Ellen, in all of your analysis of the business, and you've worked at some amazing brands, who do you see as a competitor for Jay McLaughlin? It doesn't seem like there's lots and lots of competitors doing what you're doing. It's interesting. We are so fortunate to own a significant share of our customers' closets. When asked about what else they're buying, they're shopping at Lululemon, for sure, when they need true technical clothing. They are shopping very high-end designer accessories in terms of bags. And when they need to go to something that's more dressed up than we tend to be, they're going to Saks or Neiman's or somewhere very local in terms of a luxury multi-brand store. You know, when we really dig in and see what other brands are in their closet, they're brands like Lafayette 148 or Ralph Lauren or Max Mara, very tasteful and, you know, very much in line with, with what we're doing in terms of very classic, well-done clothing. Kevin, the calendar's about to flip to December. What are you seeing in terms of retail trends so far this season? Obviously, the world is in a crazy place, too, and people might be a little bit more cautious, but what are you seeing? I'm, and that's exactly what I'm going to say. I mean, we have a, a circumstances internationally that are frightening, obviously. We, we have one of our biggest industries and two of our biggest industries not working essentially for months. There is a, an instability in the atmosphere that is definitely taking its toll with people. And, and I think that has resulted in a more promotional atmosphere in general for a lot of brands. And um, it is a season that has been dominated by that level of negativity that uh, I, I think is unfortunate. Um, 
I'm looking forward to spring. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, listen, you know what? I think people always snap out of their funk a few weeks ahead of of the holidays, and it's probably going to be the same. Actually, the consumer for whatever reason, seems to be strong. But there is this kind of nagging thing in in the atmosphere, as you say, Kevin, that just has people maybe a little bit cautious and maybe they'll uh, shed that in the next week or two. My last question, and I'll I'll let each of you answer it. Mary Ellen, what are your goals for the company in the next five years? So in addition to organic growth, which we see continuing, opening 10 stores a year, replatforming our e-commerce business in the beginning of next year with tremendous new capability. In addition to all of that, we're excited about new store format exploration. So whether that be resort shop and shops, golf clubs, new formats really are intriguing to us. We will start to build the business plan and choose a partner for a home launch, as Kevin mentioned. We're very excited about that. And most of all, leaning into marketing and building our customer file, just bringing more customers into this brand and having them experience what a positive, wonderful place it is. Kevin, how, how about yourself? What's on your wish list for the next five years? I'm very proud of everything that has been accomplished, and I'd like not to be a well-kept secret. I'd like to get that out more. I still am very um, driven by creating things, by staying relevant. So my goals are to keep that going in myself. The home thing is exciting to me and the international is exciting for me. What I'd like to see the growth at a, at a quicker pace, yes, I've obviously said that, but I'm quite happy to um, make some inroads into those other areas. And, and, and hey, I'm happy to go to work every day. Hey, listen, I don't blame you, right? Just being relevant and being able to do what you do is like a gift, right? It's not work to me. I enjoy it. And so I just want to keep doing it. And I think that's important to note, honestly, Tom, I know I said it before, but Kevin and I have the most amazing partnership and we have the most incredible team. And I think part of that is everyone enjoys what they're doing. People have so much fun here. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. People ask me many times, what am I most proud of? And I always say, it's the tenure of the people that have worked here. There are a lot of people with 30 years in, 20 years, 25 years in. It's an atmosphere that we all enjoy and, and that's uh, very satisfying for me. As a brand that has taken a non-traditional approach to expansion, Jay McLaughlin is enjoying tremendous performance. They've got a strong, committed team that is poised to fill the white space they're seeing across the country and internationally. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Kevin McLaughlin and Mary Ellen Coyne for joining me on the show today. It's clear that they have a fantastic partnership built on amazing intuition and many decades of success with the brand. I'm looking forward to seeing them take Jay McLaughlin to new heights. This is Tom Ryan. I'll see you next time back in the arena.
References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.